T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Three and one. Breaking ball high and deep to left field. That's going to be close. It's going to stay down. gets his pitch, he's going to hit it hard, and did he ever. And it's not their first matchup. Shohei gets to know his friend again with the home run. That is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with Buck Martinez on the call. That team is so fun. It's hit and run on 670 to score. And score listeners, you know me. I'm Matt Spiegel. I host this show on Sunday mornings. I host during the week with Danny Parkins on the Parkins and Spiegel show from 2 to 6. And I've always been the guy who everybody says, you know what? Nobody loves baseball as much as Speaks. Right, Sean? Sean Anderson, the producer. There's like a whole thing. There's a quote of me going, baseball, which tends to get played every once in a while. But, you know, I thought I loved baseball. And then I happily started to follow Sarah Langs on the Twitter. S. Langs on sports. Uh, is her um, her moniker? It's a great follow. You learn incredible things Baseball. just about. There, that's me. You learn incredible things just about every time, and I think she loves it more than me, Sean. I, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out right now who loves baseball more right here on The Score on Hit and Run as we welcome Sarah Langs to the show. Sarah, thanks so much for your time. Good morning to you on a Sunday. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. That is one of the most incredible intros I've ever heard. And I am so honored to be talking with someone who loves baseball as much as I do. So this is great. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think you got me. I think you got me as much as I love it. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'm just I'm just getting a a tiny bit cynical every now and again. But I try to fight it off because there's beautiful stuff every day. Um, I want to give you a, a blank palette here. Just give me. I could go through your Twitter profile or whatever, but just give me what's on the top of your mind as like the coolest thing that you saw in baseball yesterday. What's on the top of your mind right now? Well, you know, I love the two clips that you uh, just played right before you introduced me with Vladimir Jr. and Shohei Otani because I feel like I could pick something from either of them. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Otani because there was a stat I looked up like I should have thought to look into this when he homered last night and instead I thought to look into it about four hours later. So I think I put this out there at like two in the morning Eastern time, which is just hilarious and that's how baseball goes. But Shohei Otani, we're all watching him. I hope everybody across the country, regardless of who you're rooting for, is watching him. And on Friday night for the Angels, he had ten strikeouts and no walks. His fourth career ten strikeout game. It was the first time he never he hadn't walked someone in a game, which is also Really good to see from him. But then on Saturday, batting second, doing his thing, hitting, DHing for the Angels, he hit a home run. 
and he's only the second guy since the mound was moved to its current distance in 1893, which is a very long time ago, to strike out 10 batters in one team game and then the next day come out and hit a home run. And this has a Chicago tie, which is amazing, and I didn't even think of that as I chose to tell you this, which is that in 1964, it was Gary Peters for the White Sox. He had a game with 10 strikeouts in July. I think it was July 17th. Team had an off day. The next day, first game of a doubleheader goes to 13 innings. And Gary Peters, the pitcher, comes in to pinch hit and hits a walk-off home run. So the only guys to do this are Shohei Otani and Gary Peters. Oh, that's awesome. A Gary Peters reference will make some people's mornings here uh, on a a Sunday in Chicago. But that's what we're dealing with with Otani is this truly rarefied air, and it is a a once-in-a-century kind of player. It's Babe Ruth, and then it's him. Do you think we'll see more, whether it's – is it it Hunter Green, who's the prospect in the minors? But I think they've – they, they've eliminated half of his skill set. I wonder if we'll see more willingness to do it um, as Otani physically appears able to do it, or is he going to get written off as just a physical anomaly that can handle this kind of thing? Well, it's a great question because in some ways, how successful he's been at this is making it really tough for the next guy, right? I mean, if he had, you know, five to ten home runs right now and had had a couple stars, maybe a couple clunkers, a couple good ones, we'd be saying, okay, there's got to be somebody down in the minors right now who could do that. And you're right about Hunter Green. I do think he is only pitching right now. And there was Brendan McKay for the Rays, but he's recovering from shoulder surgery, so he's only hitting. And there are other guys who at the time they were drafted were thought to be two-way players and have sort of just gone to one side or the other, like his teammate Jared Walsh, actually, who plays first base for them right now. But Otani is setting the bar so high. I mean, he's hitting the ball 119 miles an hour at his highest, and he's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. He's striking out 10 batters. He's, you know, close to the league lead in home runs. He has 16. That's tied for fourth. I do think that this will hopefully inspire more players, young players. You know, if you go to high school, at the high school level, a lot of guys can do this, right? I mean, in order to get to where you're at, you have to be pretty much the best athlete on your team. So it's just about figuring out a way for these teams to really manage this into the minor leagues or in college or wherever it is and nurture it going forward. And I hope that the hype he's getting and the excitement around this will really inspire people to try it. But it's incredibly difficult. I mean, once in a lifetime, as you said, once in a century type of player and once in a century type of athlete. I mean, that's what it takes to do this. And it's just incredible. Sarah Langs is our guest here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. There was a while early on in the season, and I don't know how much you've done it lately, where you were tweeting about guys who were in the 95th percentile or better in hard hit rate and also in the 95th percentile or better in sprint speed. And that's a really kind of simple and interesting way for me to quantify the kind of athlete I've always fallen in love, fallen in love with, well, whether it's, you know, Eric Davis or Bo Jackson or, you know, um, Ron Gant or like these kind of five tool guys, especially if they're outfielders and I'm seeing them out there. And there were there were names that were surprising in there throughout throughout the run. Obviously, Al Garcia was a name who I kept seeing. And then one more Byron Buxton. And that's why I'm so bummed that he got hurt. And I hope we see him return to the peak of his form Byron Buxton had really evolved into one of the very best um, kind of, you know, all-around talents in the game, hadn't he? 
Absolutely. And yeah, I'm so glad to hear that you love those kinds of players because that's what really made me interested in looking into that was I just think those are the most dynamic players we see. You know, that power and speed combo and guys who can really do both of those things at a really high level. Those first, what was it, three or four weeks of the season when Buxton was crushing it, I mean, you know, through maybe three weeks of the year, it looked like he was the early favorite, very early, of course, for AL MVP. I mean, that's what everyone who's been following his career since he was drafted expected out of him. This is what the peak Byron Buxton was supposed to be. All of that power, all of that speed, all together, not to mention the defense, which, you know, plays in with the speed, but isn't even part of that specific combo uh, that you were mentioning. And it's just so disappointing to see him get hurt again. But, you know, hopefully he'll be on the comeback trail soon. And hopefully the Twins certainly need him right now, can say that. Uh, but it was just so much fun to watch him doing that. And I love I love that list. I mean, you mentioned Abisal Garcia was like right around 90th percentile to 89th percentile in hard hit rate. So he kept going on and off the list. But if we look at it right now, it's Shohei Otani, Tyler O'Neill, Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Ronald Acuna Jr. So I think your surprise there is probably Tyler O'Neill, who's yeah. having a really great power season. Excuse me. Um, and it's awesome to see Otani on there, right? And Tatis and Acuna, I think anyone would guess. Trout has that sneaky speed that I don't think a lot of people think of with him. Obviously, he's hurt right now, so he might fall off qualifying-wise, but hopefully he'll be back to doing that soon. Yeah, in, in this town, people were getting very excited about Luis Robert in that same kind of way, yeah. that, that, that that's a guy who could end up on, on, on those kind of lists. Who else are the, the power and speed combo guys that, that folks don't think about? You, you, you just gave us some of those good names, but I wonder like, who, who else approaches this kind of stratosphere uh, around the game, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you expand, let's say I'm going to see if we can look at like maybe 70th percentile uh, in mm-hmm. hard rate hit rate instead. But I think that the guy that everyone was really interested in was um, was Otani because he wasn't actually on this list initially. But if you, you know, broaden it a little bit, you get guys like Bo Bichette, you know, not quite 90th percentile in either, but pretty close. You get guys like Avi Garcia, I mentioned before. Yuan Mankata is actually not that far. He's 77th percentile in hard hit rate and 72nd percentile in sprint speed, which is certainly nothing, nothing mm-hmm. to spot that. I think another fun guy, Jose Ramirez, you know, those kinds of players. Yep. Yoan Moncada having a terrific year for the White Sox. I think he is their best all-around player. And interesting that some of the stat cast numbers are showing that, as well as some of the value numbers like war and, and VORP and stuff like that. Um, I, I know you wrote about Kevin Gossman, and I started the show talking about him because I remember years ago, you know, um, people just dying to get their hands on Kevin Gossman when he was in Baltimore. And now here he is in San Francisco, a few organizations later, having figured it out. Um, what is the key to, to Kevin Gossman being this dominant as he was against the Cubs yesterday? So, I mean, what an incredible season, as you're saying. And it is so interesting, I think, to see the journey of a player like this who was a first-round draft pick. We saw him struggle with the Orioles. We saw him really not quite get to where he wanted to get to. But what I have seen from him, and it's interesting, I went back and read some stuff that he said in spring training, and he credits a lot of what has changed for him to a couple months that he spent in the Reds' bullpen. I believe that was 2019 when he got traded over there towards the end of the season. He struggled with the Braves, 
and he ended up on the Reds to finish out the season. He had a 4.03 ERA in 15 games. He didn't necessarily have the results, but we know that the Reds have a really good pitching coach and just pitching staff at the moment and really, really smart guys there. And they talked to him about his pitch mix and just throwing his splitter, which is his best pitch, more. You know, I mean, it sounds so simple. You don't want it to get overexposed. You don't want to overuse it. But what has really changed for him is just that distribution of using his splitter, which is one of the best pitches in baseball right now, and using his four-seamer more. And his four-seamer has been better because he's not overusing it. He used to throw it close to almost 60 or 70% of the time, which any pitcher using that frequently, unless you're like a high velo reliever out of the bullpen, that's going to get crushed. If you're a starting pitcher throwing a four-seamer like a thir- uh, sorry, three-quarters of the time, that's, that's not going to work. So he's throwing his four-seamer a little bit less. He's throwing his splitter a little bit more, and it's really, really working for him. I think those pitchers are playing off of each other really well, and it's just it's really great to see. I mean, you know, he used to have a sinker at one point. He's kind of eliminated that, and it really feels like his arsenal is in a great spot, and that's a lot of what is working for him this year. Sarah, I, uh, last thing for you. I'm um... – you know, and it's I guess it's a little bit more philosophical. I've gone past the conversations of is the game broken? Um, I, I, th- I think it I think it is a little bit. It doesn't mean I don't love it. I absolutely love it as it is. I just could love it even more. And I think more people could love it if it was fixed a bit by having more balls in play. And that's it's just a philosophical thing. But but part of what I want to bring up to you is that. One of the reasons that it feels a little broken to me is that I become desensitized, especially to the strikeout numbers. And I don't. And that's starting to feel very familiar of my desensitization of the home run numbers of the steroid era. That part, like when I read that Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie and then yet another Indian, you know, like everybody sets a different Indians record every day. I'm like, oh, man, I just I want to I want to feel it more because I love the place of these records in the annals of the game. Does that make sense from 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 your perspective of compiling the numbers as you do? For sure. I mean, I see that. And there's certainly, I mean, I can't remember exactly what it is, but there was some sort of stat with like 12 strikeouts and no walks that had happened like three times in baseball history and then happened twice in opening week. So uh, I'm certainly not unaware of those things, but I think that we have the tools now to appreciate these, these accomplishments, these achievements from so many different perspectives. You know, I mean, now that we have stack test numbers, we have pitch tracking information. I mean, you know, maybe the 10 strikeouts and no walks isn't going to excite you quite as much. Maybe a guy having like 29 whiffs the way Dylan Cease did the other day might. And I think that there are just different ways to see what, especially from the pitching perspective, what these guys were doing and really appreciate it. And it's unfortunate that we can't know how many whiffs, you know, Cy Young had uh, in terms of <laughs> swings and misses way back in the early 1900s. But I do think that we have the tools now to appreciate these beyond just the box score stats. And I think that really helps in, you know, still understanding that these are accomplishments, these are achievements, and they are really special things that these pitchers are doing. You know, I think that that line between, oh, the batters strike out too much and, oh, there's so many strikeouts, I don't care what the pitcher is doing, it's a fine line. And I always want to make sure that I'm still celebrating these pitchers for doing that because I still couldn't do that. I know that's for sure. And, and there are so many pitchers that we see who aren't striking out 10 batters every night. So, while it may be more frequent for these really, really great guys, I think there's still ways to see these accomplishments as unique. 
Sarah, thanks so much. Sarah Langs on sports, S Langs on sports on Twitter, and you can read her and see her on MLB Network. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Appreciate right. it. You got it. It's hit and run on 670 The Score. I've, all right, we've got some open phone lines the rest of the way. I'm here until noon. It speaks with you, Cubs and White Sox. We will readdress the Larusa Bunt thing because people only heard like one moment and they don't understand that there's nuance to conversations. And I want to talk about it with you. You want to defend Tony? Give me a call. You want to talk about the Bunts? Give me a call. They are situation specific. And, uh, and Tony's done a lot of good things, okay? So please understand that. And we can talk about the Cubs and the White Sox however you like over the next 40 minutes. 312-644-6767. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Why are we bunting... 670 the score sometimes things get talked about in the course of a baseball season and then they get followed up the next day and then if they come back they're imbued with all these different layers of context and that's where we stand right now with uh, Tony La Russa and the bunting I, I think it's very similar to not using your closer on the road in a tie game in that it's a philosophical uh, issue, and philosophies change. The game kind of evolves. There are still plenty of times where I think bunting is is great and called for. Um, first and second, nobody out. When a pitcher is on the ropes like Derek Holland was, had not gotten out a single member of the White Sox in multiple appearances this year. Um, and you've got hitters that know what they're doing uh, coming up. I don't think that at all was a good spot to bunt. And the way that Tony answered that yesterday is what led to a big part of the conversation on this show earlier today uh, and with some of you on Twitter and otherwise is that Tony didn't think there was any room for discussion. Like, this is the right play. It's just, it's what you do. And the, the truth is that for an American League team in this day and age, it is no longer commonly thought of as the right play and what you do. It's just not. And you look around the league and, and some of the more progressive teams are not doing that because the game changes and philosophy changes. Um, Toronto, Boston, New York, and Tampa, the best four teams in the best division, the American League East, they've combined for a total of 15 sacrifice bunts. The White Sox have 14 all on their own. They're the only team in the top 10 of bunts in the American League. Every other team is a National League team that does this with the pitcher's spot a lot. So, I mean, there's a terrific text here at 312-644-6767 that says, honest question, is Tony wrong or is it a discussion? Like, is there room to zig while others zag? Or is his approach a dead dinosaur? 
The Titans returned to a brutal running game while the NFL went to the spread passing. Is he doing this with the wrong personnel or is it wrong regardless? That's a great question. I, I love that question. And I think that if the guy at the plate is a better bunter than he is uh, a hitter and you think he's completely overmatched, then that is when it becomes a discussable thing. Danny Mendick, clearly, he bunted to the wrong side. He made the wrong play. Zach Collins, the, the play before, had no idea what he was doing trying to bunt. He looked terrible. He clearly hadn't been asked to do it very much in his life. So that's when the personnel becomes an issue. Know your personnel. It's Tony's job to know whether the guys he's sending up can do it or not. Not to have them do it and then blame them. They didn't know how to do it. They got to learn how to do it. Get out there and practice. No, in the meantime, you blew a possible rally because he asked somebody to do it who has no business doing it. Um, there's a little room to zig while others zag. But on this issue, you know, not only does the math support not doing it, but the teams who win the most support not doing it you get me that's the big big deal um and no tony's not the whole problem tony's not doing everything wrong but this is something that we discuss when we talk about baseball because managers jobs are to put you in a better chance to win and not a worse chance to win tony was asked about it today and followed up with a long answer on bunting strategy i have not heard this yet sean have you heard any of this i i think it's a bruce levine question I would love to hear what Tony thinks about bunting then, bunting now. And remember that I'm not anti-bunting as a rule. Just certain specific situations call for it, and some do not. Here's Tony pregame today. Uh, just asking about um, handling uh, questions from me and others about um, strategy. Uh, it seems like it's a new world in, uh, in sports where – when things don't work out, it's, you know, it's, we're free to ask about anything that hasn't happened. I wonder, as a manager, uh, how, how have you gotten used to uh, this new, uh, new way of um, asking about games and talking about games? Well, I don't think it's all that new. I mean, I can remember as a young manager in Chicago being asked about, you know, this move offensively or that move with the pitching. Uh, same thing in Oakland, St. Louis, you know, go to the National League, those questions about National League baseball. So I don't think it's that new. I just think what's happened is there's a lot of uh, attention. And most coaches now agree, you know, if you make a decision, it works, it's a good decision. If it doesn't work, somebody's going to question and disagree. Probably the added uh, piece now is that there's a real infusion of uh, from upstairs to, to – uh, game strategies, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, I'm not sure about hockey, that, you know, you look at percentages and and uh, most popular are, you know, the, uh, the stolen base, the bunt. Um, but, uh, you know, even how you use your lineup. Uh, and I always think that the key is really this. Um, if somebody questions one, the, the fairest thing to do is a bit – when the situation comes up, person should, he or she should write down what they think should happen. And uh, and then see, because then you'll see what the manager's strategy. And I give you one like yesterday from uh, Grandal. Um, I think it's fair to say that in this, in this series that he's been probably the most productive hitter we have. And so if you say, you write down, I would not send him here. And I sent him and he's out with well, you can say, hey, well, I wouldn't have sent him. But if you say, 
Um, I would not send him, and he hits a double play ball because I didn't send him. And you, just, and you think, well, wait a minute, uh, maybe I should have sent him. So what you do is, it, it really is. Um, it's a good question. A lot of times over the years, a lot of young managers, coaches would ask me, and I ask them the same thing. A lot of times, it's if it works, it's good, and if it doesn't work, it's bad. So it really frees you up to just do what you think is best. Otherwise, you'll never know if what you thought was right. So. Uh, I know James was asking yesterday about a bunt, which you know, I, the more I thought about it, I was just, uh, you know, I, I probably would ask him, I mean, do you think the bunt is something you just put in your pocket you never use? Uh, you know, he's on there now. He gonna, you know, do you never use the bunt? Because yesterday you got first and second, you're down a run, James, uh, you know, Danny doesn't play every day. He didn't have a great first two at bats and he's an excellent executioner. And, 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 and I, I can't believe that somebody's going to say that getting those guys second and third with Anderson and Madrigal is a wasted out. And I think what James said, I put, I stifled the rally or something. So I'm not getting into it because I think the beautiful part about this game, I really believe this. There's no sport that fans and media can be more interactive than baseball. There are more opinions about strategy and it's just, you get to see the managers. So I, I, I never get bothered by it because I think it's a beautiful part of our game. I just think that sometimes um, here recently, just like, you know, batting average just doesn't count. RBI production is not some factor. You know, it's got to be some formula. Well, you know, there's value for formulas. But if a guy's a good RBI guy, there's a special talent there. And if a guy can get base hits more than X number of times in 10 at-bats, that starts rallies, it adds rallies. I mean, you know, I'll go on and on about this thing. But my point is that, probably the strongest thing is you can't not take percentages of what you think, how you would script your game and take them into a game. This is my opinion. You may disagree. And that's a beautiful part about America and, and baseball. You have to watch the game. You have to watch and see who's, you know, do you smell a, a close game? Do you smell a crooked number game? Do you, who's it bad? Is the guy swinging good? Who's the pitcher? All that stuff. And, and you, and then you make your decision and if somebody disagrees, I'm just glad that somebody's interested enough to pay attention. And that's as long-winded as I can be. But I think, like I say, it's been around for a long time. And like Paul Richards one time said, you know, you trust your gut, you don't cover your butt. Because if you cover your butt with some of these decisions and uh, and you, you get beaten, you'll never know if you're good enough. So I maybe uh, I'm not afraid. And that's that's I'm not afraid because I've been tra- I've been trained well and I believe what I believe and and where there's disagreement, as long as it's it's uh, you know somebody's honest and fair opinion, that's part of the beauty of the game. James. Uh, well, I was going to just ask about Jace Fry since uh, you know he, he worked back to back you know days in Charlotte. Uh, um, so, uh, how have you heard a report on how he's progressing? <laughs> they gave James. Fegan a chance to talk bunts with uh, Tony, and he didn't do it. He went to Jay's Fry instead. He followed up after. So after uh, James asked that question about James Fry, he he goes back to Tony and was like, I, if I had anything wrong with the question, and then Tony kind of dodges it. But that the, the whole entire exchange is about 10 minutes long. Okay. Um, well, you know what? I really liked that stuff from Tony LaRusso. I got to tell you, as I listen um, with an open mind, as I always do, what have I always said, Sean? I love how this game allows for conversation. Uh, 
I love how it it allows for differences of strategic opinion. I love that he's going back and he's thinking about it. That James asked the question, he's actually thought a lot about it in the last day. And he thinks Mendick didn't look good in his first two at-bats. Those were against a different guy. Those were against Tariq Skubal, who's out of the game. Um, how Mendick is a good executioner, good at executing little things. I don't know that that means he's good at executing a bunt. He bunted that to the wrong side. I don't know if he didn't realize that's what he was supposed to do or just did it wrong. It was a big, big deal and caused a massive problem. Um, but, and he loves that he had uh, Anderson and Magical coming up with back control that maybe they'd get a hit and knock, knock those guys in. So, yeah, there's room for difference of opinion. Tony's in charge. That's his team. He gets to do it. Uh, I thought that was actually very, very reasonable stuff. I disagree with him. I know a lot of people out there disagree with him. I'm sure there's some people that agree. And on you go. I appreciated that response, truth be told, from Tony La Russa. Um, and so it goes. That's just one aspect of a, of a very interesting ball game out of 162. And there's a lot of games. But I do love baseball for that reason that you end up talking about all of this kind of stuff. He's uh, Yasmani Grandal on the hit and run. He was also talking about that. And we get it. Um, looking at the lineups today, I've got a Detroit lineup going against the White Sox. And we now have a White Sox lineup too. Tim Anderson will lead off. Jake Lamb hits second. He had the big two-run double yesterday. Yuan Moncada hits third. Yermin Mercedes up to four. It's an off day for Jose Abreu. Yasmani Grandal hits fifth, Adam Eaton sixth, Andrew Vaughn plays first base, will bat seventh. Your center fielder making his 2021 debut is Adam Engel, fresh up off of Charlotte. Billy Hamilton onto the injured list, and here is Adam Engel to start in center field and hit eighth. Good for him. Welcome to the big leagues in 2021. A really nice story from the last couple years for the White Sox, and a, a definite major leaguer will be a massive upgrade in center field. Over, uh, over, over others who've been out there post Luis Robert, um, in, including Danny Mendick, who had to play there yesterday after Hamilton got hurt. And then Nick Madrigal is your nine hitter hitting second. Uh, this is all against Jose Urania, the Detroit Tigers right-hander who hasn't pitched since the 26th of March. Dylan Cease will be on the mound for the White Sox. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Jordan is in Libertyville, and Jordan is now on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, Jordan. How are you? Hey. Oh, I'm excellent. Uh, I got uh, two points and a question. Okay. So, first off, it's the bottom of the six. It's four to three, and you're playing for a tie. Um, it makes no sense. Like, if he's, over, if he's overmatched by, like, Chapman or somebody... Yeah, that might make some sense, but he's not. No one's overmatched by Derek Holland. I actually was like, Derek Holland is still in Major League Baseball, so I I was trying to figure that out. Uh, Secondly, uh, I was going to talk about cheating for a second. The way I used to do it back in the day is when I caught, I'd put pine tar in the pocket of my glove. I actually learned that from a major leaguer. Uh, So when I returned the ball to the pitcher, you know, the ball would have pine tar. Ah, Uh, what position? What position? What position were you? Catcher. I was a catcher. I actually learned that from a, one of uh, Tony LaRusso's players. <laughs> so, um, I don't want to call him out, but um, he lives in the area. You can figure out who it is. Um, okay, and let's the, see. Not a current player, a Cardinals player or an A's player? It, it might have been a guy they put in left field in 1982 sure. when they got him. And then, yeah. Okay, anyway, 
So, um, and then my last uh, question is, is there a part of you, this is for you, that thinks that maybe Tony LaRusso tries to put his own fingerprint on every game, kind of a.k.a. Joe West? Um, I kind of I kind of get that feeling sometimes, like he overmanages a little bit. Yeah, um, th- thank you for the call, Jordan. Um, I've always thought about that. I thought, I've always thought that about Tony La Russa since he was with Oakland, since he was with St. Louis. He has always uh, wanted, um, wanted his personality and his imprint to be all over it, um, for sure. And that informs, it does inform the conversation. It informed my dread of him getting the job. It informed how I think about it now. Tony was the first guy to put the pitcher eighth um, a lot. And it was like, what is he doing? Is he, oh, yeah, I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. Now, now a lot of people do it. So, you know, maybe Tony was onto something there, uh, obviously, as certain people do it. Um, but, yeah, you know, Tony definitely, between him and Joe West, I definitely wondered who was going to make that night more about themselves uh, last week, for sure. That's, that's Tony's M.O. He's always been that, and he's always been sharper than just about everybody and better at it than just about everybody. The question is, is he still now at this point in his life, this far removed from being down there every day, and this far removed from a game that continues to evolve? And every once in a while you get moments like this which show that he's still managing a game um, that he left 11 years ago. We'll take one more call when we come back on 670, the score. And if we have time, I want you to hear 50 seconds of one guy talking about a teammate, one of my favorite stories in baseball of the year. It's Hit and Run. Matt Spiegel with you for another 20 minutes or so on the score. It is Hit and Run on 670, the score. Matt Spiegler with you. Wide-ranging conversation today. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Hope you have. Let's take one more call today. Stan from Bellwood, a Sunday morning staple with baseball thoughts. Always welcome. What's up, Stan? Good morning. You know Likewise. Hey, Speaks. How are you today, man? I'm, I'm great, man. Thank you. I'm enjoying the show. Uh, I've listened uh, practically all morning. You, you, you started out with uh, La Russa. I was actually, you know, that game yesterday really had me pulling out what's left in my hair and screaming at the, uh, at the television set. Uh, I was glad that you actually changed the subject. You know, you, you had, had a couple of very good guests, and uh, you talked about Bob Gibson in uh, 1968. That brought back uh, some great baseball memories. And now you you came back to La Russa, and I'm aggravated all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, you know it- yeah, it's, uh, p- people kept coming at me about it, and then Tony readdressed it. And I, I appreciated the way he talked about it, frankly, when he readdressed it. But go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, he's a good talker. Uh, I, I was anti La Russa. Uh, I'm in that camp and have been since day one. Uh, you know, this situation where the White Sox and White Sox fans find themselves today was utterly predictable. Uh, I don't think they ever should have hired him. Uh, I hate that they hired him, but I resigned myself to the, you know, to the fact that there really is nothing that we can do about it, and that we probably uh, are not going to be too hurt, you know, by this because I, I, I kind of felt like uh, even with Larusa managing the White Sox that he's in virtually. Uh, a bulletproof 
situation here. I mean, it started out with the, the twins helping the White Sox out by being bad. Uh, the White Sox have a great, they're a great team with a great pitching staff. They don't, you know, they're not burdened by uh, being in an ultra competitive division like the American League East. Uh, basically, the only thing that he really needs to do is just stay out of the way and don't screw things up. Don't insert himself in every situation by overmanaging. Uh, but the aggravating thing is that he continues to do just that. And it, it's, it's really aggravating because he has that capacity to yank defeat from the jaws of victory on every or any <laughs> given night. It, it, it's nagging. It, it just nags me uh, in the back of the, the back of my mind, Speeds, that he can still blow this thing, kill it, you know, for the White Sox this year if he keeps this up, even in a bulletproof situation. It, it's just aggravating watching, you know, White Sox games when it should be pleasant and an enjoyable situation. I mean, he just kills everything. I, you know, I don't like saying that. I'm not calling for his head. I realize that there's nothing we can do about it. But he is just not – he's not the guy for this situation. And it really, really just – I can't enjoy White Sox games, you know, as good as they are and as great as, you know. That hurts me, man. That hurts me, man, for you. Thanks for the call, Stan. you got to let yourself enjoy the games. You have to. It's a, I understand. I've talked to a lot of White Sox fans who feel this way after five years of watching this thing get built and ending up where you are with this terrific team that Rakan has put together, this, this organizational approach that has allowed you to come here with all these different guys who are already signed to extensions and they're playing carefree on that front. And even you can withstand the injuries to Eloy and, and, and Robert and still be as good as you are. And you go out and get a top-flight closer to complete your bullpen. Nah, man, you got to enjoy the games. You have to find a way to deal with the frustration, vent, get it out. Um, maybe turn off my show. If you need to turn off my show, I understand. Like, seriously, and don't, don't deny yourself the enjoyment of these games just because the manager drives you crazy. Um, you've been in that situation before. Maybe not with a team this good. Let's end with, with one of my favorite storylines of the year locally, which is that... Billy Hamilton, who came here to the White Sox, is what, what is it, like his, his ninth team in the last two years? I know that's an exaggeration, but that's part of the point. Everybody's had a shot at trying to get what they can get out of Billy Hamilton at this point in his career. He goes on the injured list today, and Adam Engel is back. But one of the great things about this year has been the fact that Billy Hamilton is not giving up on himself as a hitter, and... This team and organization is not giving up on Billy as a hitter long after like six other organizations have and most of baseball has. And they've been rewarded with Billy Hamilton having some incredible offensive moments, being a key part of good wins. And one of the guys who's taken Billy under his wing is far younger, but he's obviously the team leader. And that's Tim Anderson. And yesterday, Billy Hamilton was on inside the clubhouse with Bruce and David and talked about how Tim Anderson has been a mentor to the elder Billy Hamilton. And no, it's like every single day he's bringing the energy. Like 
I've never seen guys who can go up there and go 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 and still have the same energy. Like, come on, let's go. Everybody, somebody got to make a play. Somebody got to do this. And he's just been like been the type of person that's just like has been there for me. Like knowing knowing my my struggles has been more, mostly my hitting, and and he knows how much like I care about hitting. It's just not like. I'm doing bad and not caring about it. It's like I was doing bad and still was trying to make things happen. And he and he realized that. So he was just like, hey, man, like, you can hit. Like, don't listen to what nobody else says. Don't, don't go up there thinking about your average. Don't go up there thinking about what you've hit in the past or what you do. Do what you can for that day at that moment. And it's just been like, it's just been carrying over. That's Billy Hamilton talking about Tim Anderson. You can hit. You can hit. And he's out there getting it done. Five teams in the last two years for Billy Hamilton. The numbers aren't great, but you've seen those big moments when he's come through, and it's been meaningful. Enjoy the ball game today, White Sox fans. Cub games uh, on the score. Enjoy that game today. Cubs pregame at 2.30, CBS Sports Radio after me. Thank you to Travis Sawchick, Sarah Langs, and Tommy Nance for being on the show. Thank you to Sean Anderson for doing a great job producing, as always. I'll be back with Parkins, Parkins and Spiegel tomorrow and all week from 2 to 6. Have a wonderful day, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.